Welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast presented by 444.com. My name is Greg Smith. I'm your host. Before I bring in this week's guest, the illustrious Holden Kushner, I want to let you know that the music on today's show is Hounds by the Flatliners from their 2013 album Dead Language. To hear the song in full, plus all the other songs I use on my episodes, click the link in the show notes to the TMAP B-Sides playlist on Spotify. Today's show is sponsored by Sharp Angle Sports. If you like to bet the NFL, they can help you win with weekly selections from NFL Sharp James Salinas, the most successful Super Contest winner of all time. Visit SharpAngleSports.com and start winning today. This episode is also brought to you by FantasyDraft.com, the one and only rake-free DFS site in the business. What does rake-free mean? It means that 100% of entry fees at at Fantasy Draft are paid out to contest winners. If you want to try them on a 7-day trial, go to FantasyDraft.com, sign up with the promo code 444, that's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, and say goodbye to the rake. The last thing I want to mention before I bring in our guest is a new contest where you can win a 444 t-shirt. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, rate and review this podcast, The Most Accurate Podcast, and you'll automatically be entered to win. John Paulson and Anthony Stalter will announce the winner on their Team App episode later this week, so don't wait around. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave your rating and review today. With all that out of the way, please welcome in Holden Kushner. You know him from the Fantasy First podcast and the DFS MVP podcast at 444.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Holden Radio. Holden, what is up, my man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're out of time now, so uh, that'll do it, Greg. Great to hang out with you today. Yeah, I'm out of breath, too, so um, how, how do Week 14 treat you? What's uh, what's going on in your fantasy bubble? DFS world, absolutely tremendous. Uh, I only had one meaningful game, and it all depends on uh, Carson Wentz. So we're sitting here taping this on, what is it, Monday? So we'll know, by the time this is posted, we'll know how my week was. Must win to get into the playoffs Every, every other team was great, but I just need a flop from Carson Wentz. I'm feeling good about that. Yeah, I need a flop from a few players in this game tonight. I started Tyler Lockett for the second week in a row in my home league, and for the second week in a row, I was very severely burned. We're, we're at third-degree burns at this point, uh, but we don't need to get into that. Let's well, talk a little bit. Oh, no, no, no. You brought up a good – what happens if you don't win your home league? Like – that's pretty embarrassing, right? It this, is. This year, I'm not going to win, and and like my my longtime dynasty league, I'm just crushed. Like I can't believe this. I, I hope I get the number one pick. I hope I don't score any points tonight, so I can get the number one pick. I've never finished last in any league, and this year I'm just tanking because my team was so bad. It's embarrassing. Yeah. The folks in my league know that I do the podcast, that I do this fantasy stuff, not for a living, but pretty seriously. And they, I'm sure, cannot wait to rake me over the coals if and when I lose. And it hasn't happened yet, though, so hopefully we won't get there. Let's talk Week 14 so far. There was a lot of craziness that happened on Sunday. And hold on, I want to start with our booms of the week. Uh, which of your fantasy starters made the biggest or most unexpected positive impact on your teams this week? Uh, Ridley, Calvin Ridley, just kills me. You know, he was my wide receiver, two in one league. He went to hell. I think Gurley did a little more than I thought he'd do. I was hoping to get 14 or 15 out of him in half-point PPR. He got me uh, 19.3, so I was really happy about that. And those are the two guys. Again, I'm just talking about one league that that mattered this week. And then uh, on the other side of things, listen, I picked up uh, Ian Thomas. Uh, unfortunately, I started Jack Doyle over him. It, that was process. Come on. Uh, Jack Doyle had a great matchup. Didn't happen. Didn't work out for him. And then Jacobs, man, that just killed me. Like, you know, on Fantasy First, I listen to all these press conferences during the week. Gruden's talking about how he's messed up. But the training staff has done a great job. You know, he's going to go out there and play. And then we hear him just before say, oh, you know, he might not have, he might not play. He's in a lot of pain. So I had to go to the wire day of and pick someone up. I picked up James Washington to throw him in my flex. Just brutal. 5.3. 5.3. Now, the good thing is I had a ton of Deontay Johnson and DFS, but Washington just it, – it was bad. And, uh, again, that's why I need Carson Wentz to tank. Yeah, so it sounds like you got more into your busts of the week, the guys who underperformed your expectations. Nothing positive is going on right now. It's all <laughs> hell. Sorry well, about that. How about you, though? I mean, you know, you talk to me. I, I only got one team that I'm rooting for, so I think everything else is pretty simple. It's like – McCaffrey, I would have liked to see him get four or five more points. He was five. I think Gurley and Ridley were the two guys that helped me big time. Yeah, the one home league that I'd mentioned earlier, if I do end up winning, it's going to be in large part because of Joe Mixon. He had 23 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown rushing, three catches for 40 yards receiving. 
coming on strong in recent weeks after a really disappointing start, but he's kind of got a Jekyll and Hyde schedule over the final two weeks of fantasy. I definitely want to use him in week 16 if I can get there against Miami. The Dolphins have the 12th worst defense against running backs, according to 4for4's adjusted fantasy points against. But to get there, he has to go through week 15 at home against New England and their sixth best defense against running backs. With Mixon in mind, would you be more comfortable using him in spite of that tough Patriots matchup? Do you think he's matchup proof to some extent? Or is it maybe a better question to ask, like just how many rushers you would definitely start over him in week 15? Like, where are you at on Mixon going into this tough outlook at uh, New England? Man, that's a hell of a question. I mean, full PPR, I still think he gets his his catches, mm-hmm. which is what you need. Yeah. I've just been – I've been. if you were patient with Jill Mixon, he has paid off so well for you here down the stretch. I mean, what's he got, 17 or more points in, uh, since week He's eight? He's been really solid, yeah. Yeah, I think one week he had a down week against Pittsburgh. You know, I, I think you got to – what's your alternative at this point? You know, for me, like Joe Mixon – Next week is a high-end running back, too. I'm not sitting him unless I got guys that are better plays than him. So he's a legit, I would say more of a mid, a middle-of-the-road running back, too, and I have a hard time sitting him. You know, the other thing is when it comes to running back matchups, I don't pay attention to him too much. You know, if the guy's getting volume, then he'll touch it. Maybe he breaks one, maybe he gets a goal line carry, maybe he's getting volume in a passing game. That doesn't affect me that much at the running back position. Just like I think with wide receivers, like the cornerback wide receiver matchups are just completely overblown. Yes. Because unless a guy is shadowing, then that's another thing. All right, if there's a guy shadowing, but every week we're going to look at guys, eh, one guy's lining up left, one guy's left. You know, it doesn't concern me as much. I, I kind of feel that way about running backs too. So let me throw a few names at you. You mentioned the Josh Jacobs injury, and that really was brutal. But now we're looking at possibly getting DeAndre Washington off the waiver wire. He's going to be home against the Jaguars next week. Would you rather start DeAndre Washington or Joe Mixon? Oh, God. DeAndre Washington is going to be right there with Joe Mixon. And I am going to go with Joe Mixon. Yeah, I think the workload feels a little bit more locked in for him, right? Yep, more volume. That's what I want. You know, maybe he touches the ball 20 times. I don't think Washington's getting – what's Washington getting, 15? I mean, the five extra touches, but, I mean, then again, we could see them fall behind early again and Jalen Rashard gets more carries or Josh Jacobs plays. So I'll go Mixon there. I just think Mixon's a better player. Yeah, I think that's ultimately the way I would land on it too, but it wouldn't surprise me if DeAndre Washington outscored him next week. It's a softer matchup, right, going against the Jaguars' rush defense. And despite the fact that he's going to have to split some time with Jalen Richard, he was clearly the lead back for the Raiders when Josh Jacobs was out. So that, that's an interesting inflection point there. Uh, one other boom of the week I want to mention here, just because I saw this stat from Rich Rebar on Twitter, at Lord Reeves, and it was just too cool not to share and it was for Austin Eckler. He reached 100 yards, both rushing and receiving, on 12 total touches. The fewest amount of touches ever to get a 100-100 game like that. The last time it happened, Herschel Walker, 1986, 15 touches. Or that's the next lowest amount of touches. I just thought that that was too cool. I think anytime, if you haven't done something since Herschel Walker did it in 1986, you've got to be one of the booms of the week. That's that's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, he leads all running backs in fantasy points per touch. A little over 1.4. It's amazing the efficiency. This is like Tyler Lockett of running backs right here. And I love what he's doing. I love that he still has a role in this offense. I'll just go back to early in the year, though. I think it was after week three. And Michael Thomas, you know, Michael Thomas is a guy that I traded Lockett and Austin Eckler for. And I still feel good about getting Michael Thomas, the best player there. But my God, I mean, Austin Eckler is a running back one. Okay. Yeah, you and, thought you were selling high on him, and it turns out that while you probably still got the right end of that trade, it, uh, yeah, it's definitely not as cut and dry. Like he, Eckler definitely kept up his part of the bargain there. And my most successful DFS lineup this week had Eckler and Gordon in it. Love it. Love that that offense can, if they're playing from ahead, that they can uh, handle both of them. And they threw Eckler back in at the end of the game in a blowout. I was a little surprised about that, but I guess Justin Jackson ain't going to give every carry. Yeah. Uh, Was there any player who you faded or didn't start in your league that you regret missing on? Like somebody who actually blew up but didn't help you win that player blew up? 
I mean, like I said, Ian Thomas. He oh, was yeah. sitting there on my bench. You were right, though. That was the right process to play Doyle over him. It was. I, I will also say that going into Sunday, I had Michael Gallup, and he played on Thursday, and he ended up with almost 14 half-point PPR. And I was like, oh, man, Ridley, I'm nervous. Can he? And then Ridley ends up scoring 16.1. So I was happy about that. I'm, you're just not going to get me to stop talking about Ridley. I'm so depressed <laughs> about this. I'm pissed off. I love this kid. Great young wide receiver. Now he's out. Him and Evans, too. Oh, my God. We'll get into that, I'm sure, later. It was a rough rough week for injuries. The The one guy I want to throw out here is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I started Kyler Murray over him, and, and I admittedly it was risky. And I knew that when I was fading Ryan Tannehill, it could come back to bite me. But I looked at the volume that Tannehill had in the previous three weeks. From week 10 to week 12, he topped out at 22 pass attempts in those three games. And he was sustaining fantasy value in that span thanks to a high touchdown rate. About 10.2% of his throws were going for touchdowns. League average is, I think, somewhere between four and five. And the Titans were going on the road to Oakland. I figured he was due for some regression in the touchdown department. But it turns out the Raiders are just that bad. Tannehill only attempted 27 passes in that game. So a slight uptick. But three of them went for scores. So that's an 11% touchdown rate. Holden, do you think this touchdown regression I'm hoping for or was hoping for with Tannehill is eventually going to hit either in week 15 against Houston or week 16 against New Orleans? Next year. Let's go. (laughs) I mean, this guy... Lamar Jackson since week seven. Lamar Jackson, number one fantasy points. Ryan Tannehill, number two. Amazing. Think about that. I mean, this guy has just been remarkable. It shows you just how big of a disaster the Miami Dolphins organization has been not developing this guy. But he's also running a little bit, too. I'm a fan. Uh, I got him and Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's a decision to make for next week. I'm pretty sure I'm going Tannehill. Uh, week 16 against New Orleans, I'm going to take some time and think about that because the New Orleans pass defense is much better than Houston's. I Hopefully, you know, Houston and um, – actually, isn't Houston pretty damn good? Yeah, you got uh, Houston giving up a ton of points. They're a good matchup. And New Orleans, too, if Tennessee falls behind. But I feel really good about Tannehill in Week 15. So you mentioned a couple of your busts of the week earlier. One guy I want to highlight for this is Brandon Cooks. I started him in the going deep league that Mike Clay runs. He had two targets, zero receptions. He's only had five or more targets in four games this season. I was amazed to see that, and only once since week five. So if you look at these guys who are in the same target volume range as Brandon Cooks, it's like Brandon Cooks or Randall Cobb, Cooks or Chris Conley, Cooks or Deontay Johnson, Cooks or Anthony Miller, Cooks or Philip frickin' Dorsett. All of these other players are averaging more targets per game this season than Brandon Cooks. Is he droppable at this point? Yeah. I have not started him. Let's see. It was probably my worst pick going back to the early. I want to say I got him in the maybe the sixth round of a, of a 12-teamer. And I just go back to that. I said, why did I take Brandon Cooks? It's the Robert Wood show. It's Cooper Cup. It's, you know, maybe he'll check down to Todd Gurley a little bit. Higby has stepped up. Gerald Everett will get some stuff every other game. Brandon Cooks is not on my radar anymore. I'm done with him. I've, I dropped him, I think, two weeks ago. Maybe even more because he had that concussion. I thought he'd be out longer, but forget about him. He's Dunsky. Do you, are you, why did you start him? It's a super deep league. I have to start six wide receivers every week. Oh. So I'm kind of in a tight spot there. Now, that's not to say I couldn't have done better than two targets and zero catches. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to reevaluate this week. <laughs> that's one way of saying it. Yeah, I mean, you could go after, you know, one of the uh, Tampa Bay pass catchers, Walton or Perriman or something like that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we're going to get to them in the waiver wire portion of the show. Uh, one more thing before we get there. Did anything else stand out to you in Week 14? Because for me, it was the injuries. We'll get yeah. to a lot of these guys later in the waiver wire portion. Mike Evans, DJ Chark, Calvin Ridley, Mark Andrews, Devonta Parker, Darius Geis, Auden Tate, Nikhil Harry. Like All these guys went down with some sort of injury. Some of them minor, some of them out for the rest of the year. Major types of injuries. But one guy I want to talk to you about is Rashad Penny. Because Chris Carson is already owned everywhere. So Penny's potential season-ending injury doesn't really give us much to act upon with waiver claims. But how high are you moving up Carson for weeks 15 at Carolina and week 16 home for Arizona? Is he just kind of a locked-in top 10 running back at this point? Yeah, he could fumble two times in a game. What are they going to do? CJ Procise, question mark? No, it's not happening. So I'm not picking up Procise. I don't care. Even if Pro, even if Carson goes down, I don't think Procise is a is an option. So yeah, I mean, there's guys that really are taking a step up this week. And Chris Carson, Chris Carson also got running back one volume with Penny in there. 
Yes. But now it's just like it's super running volume. So I love it. Absolutely love that. And these these injuries are going to open it up for a lot of different guys. And you, you asked me about the, you know, was there one guy? I think Devontae Parker. You can't get upset at Devontae Parker. Guy got hurt. You know, he just he, he landed awkwardly. What was it? His concussion. He got a concussion. So not upset about it. I think it, it does hurt Ryan Fitzpatrick's value, though. I think that hurts him. If you were counting on him in the playoffs, that was his number one target. On the defensive side of the ball, we saw an injury to Richard Sherman for the 49ers. It sounds like he's going to be out for a couple games at least. How much does that make you boost the receivers of the teams they're going to face in these final two weeks of fantasy, the Falcons and the Rams against the Niners uh, in weeks 15 and 16? Yeah, I still feel like they're going to get pressure on the quarterback, which, you know, I was I, I was impressed with what Sean Payton did there. Not not just having Drew Brees standing in the pocket the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, he had Hill come in and do some stuff. So I think if you got a if you got a guy like Matt Ryan, I don't know if the Falcons have a good enough offensive mind to counter what San Francisco is going to do to him. So that's just what I would say there. Uh, I'm concerned. I'm de- I don't think I was starting Ridley coming up in Week 15. I was going to swap him out for Gallup or somebody else. Um, we'll see how Golden Tate does, too. I mean, that's another option down the line. But, yeah, uh, week 15, it doesn't change my my mind whatsoever. How much of that Niners-Saints game get, did you get to watch on Sunday? Because that was an incredible contest. Yeah, I watch every single game. I got them all up. I got five televisions. And I would say the one that I paid attention to most was that one. The second most important for me was the Colts and the Buccaneers. That was a big one, but mm-hmm. I watched a lot of that New Orleans game uh, with San Francisco. That was a great football game. Were you surprised at the lack of defense from both teams? Because that really stood out to me. I thought I was anticipating perhaps a little bit more just <laughs> competency on the defensive sides of the ball there, and both offenses just came out there and shredded the other team. It was incredible. Yeah, the over-under should have been 90 and then uh, you could have gone over with it and still won. I'm not really surprised at anything that happens in the NFL because you just get these days, right? There's just certain days that two teams with good offenses are going to beat the defenses. They're going to beat their brains in, and that's what happened this past week. So nothing really surprises me in the NFL anymore, Greg. It just It's just too volatile. There's not enough sample size. We don't know what the hell is going to happen on a day-to-day basis. The only thing I know is maybe we should be we should go back to the running back conversation, target the Jaguars. It looks like they're throwing in the towel, but um, it doesn't. Nothing shocks me. No. Yeah, I mean that's why it's so surprising that DeAndre Washington could be so close in our minds to a player of Joe Joe Mixon's caliber. It'll be really fascinating to see if Washington can deliver next week. Agreed. All right, uh, let's take a quick break for the sponsors of the show. Sharp Angle Sports is the exclusive home for NFL selections from James Salinas, the most successful Super Contest winner of all time. Not only did Salinas win the Westgate Super Contest in 2015, he also finished third in 2016 and 26th in 2018. Over the last four years, picking 85 games per year, James has compiled a remarkable record of 63.3% against the spread. There's only one place to get James Salinas' NFL against the spread and over-under selections each week, and you guessed it, that place is sharpanglesports.com. Visit the site today and take your NFL betting skills to the next level. Meanwhile, Fantasy Draft is the only rake-free daily fantasy site around, and they're running the largest rake-free contests out there each and every week. That's right, Fantasy Draft is the only daily fantasy site with no management fees taken out of the prize pools. And this isn't just a limited promotion. While other DFS sites can continue to raise their rakes, squeeze prize pools, and make it harder for players like you to win, Fantasy Draft's contests remain rake-free. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code 444 and you'll get a free 7-day trial on your first $1,000 of rake-free entry fees. That's FantasyDraft.com with the promo code 444, 4-F-O-R-4. Don't miss your shot at millions in prizes this season. Start playing rake-free at FantasyDraft.com today. Your bankroll is going to love it. All right, Holden, let's talk Week 15 waiver strategy. As always, we're going to try to stick to low ownership players available in at least 50% of Yahoo leagues, but feel free to bend the rules if you want. There are a lot of different possibilities, and Weeks 15 and Week 16 are going to generate some interesting scenarios from league to league. So there might be some guys you might not expect to see out there, but they're going to be available for whatever reason. Let's kick things off with running back, and one of the guys, I'm going to break the rules right away, Raheem Mostert, 51%, had Mm. 10 carries, 69 yards, and a touchdown rushing 
Two catches on two targets for 40 yards, receiving and a touchdown through the air. Meanwhile, Matt Breda worked back in for six carries, 54 yards, one catch for four yards. How do you see this Niners backfield playing out down the stretch? Do you expect Mostert to continue to lead this group? I think Tevin Coleman kind of played his way out for now, right? He's gone. But it also concerns me. I mean, what if Mostert, you know, has a tough start? Does Coleman come back in? It's a complete nightmare, man. Yeah. That, That to me is a complete nightmare, but I do love Mostert. I mean, isn't he a running back, too, at this point? I know the volume isn't there, but here's another guy that's efficient, playing in a really good offense behind a guy, uh, a head coach, that has built his own running scheme and taken it to the next level. Yeah, I feel like if you're getting 8 to 12 touches from any good running back in this offense, and by good running back, I mean Raheem Mostert or Matt Breda, that's a player you want in fantasy because those touches you get at – those such as they get as you describe are so efficient this running scheme is so good that they don't need 15 touches necessarily to really deliver for you in fantasy i think that both mostert and Breda are interesting going forward i think you have to lean towards mostert as the lead guy just based upon what we've seen in recent weeks but it wouldn't surprise me at all like you said if mostert starts out slow maybe Breda starts to take that backfield back over because we've seen him do the same sort of thing that Mostert's done recently in previous weeks. So, like you said, total nightmare. It's going to be hard to sort out. But that doesn't mean that if you're desperate enough to start one of these guys or flex one of these guys that they can't pay off. No. I mean, I'm right there with you on this one. So, would love to uh, disagree with you, my friend, but I can't. So, maybe we can disagree about the Washington backfield now that Darius Geis is gone for the year. Or not gone for the year, but at least ruled out for Week 15 with a knee injury. Adrian Peterson ended up with 20 carries in Week 14 after Geis left. Chris Thompson is at 11% ownership. We should see his workload ramp up here now that Geis is out. The Eagles are up in Week 15. Then it's the New York Giants in Week 16. If you're in a PPR league, would you rather pick up Chris Thompson than Adrian Peterson? Or is the pure carry volume for Peterson enough to keep him higher for you? Sorry, not making a choice. Not either one of them. I'd have to be in a 2014 league to pick up Adrian Peterson or Chris Thompson at this point. I have no interest in anything going on with this Washington offense with the exception of McLaurin. And I don't even, I'm not even high on him. This is just horrible offense. And this is why you stream defenses, man. You look at the schedule, you say, all right, who's taking on Washington? Let's start him two straight weeks. It's, it's as simple as that. You actually want one of these guys on your roster? No, I'm with you. I don't really want either one of them. I think if I'm really desperate in a deep PPR league, like a 14-team or 16-team, or maybe Chris Thompson is a player I'd be interested in, but I I am with you. The one thing I would say, the silver lining here might be the Dwayne Haskins is out, and the Washington team might have to go back to Case Keenum, and if that happens, that definitely helps Terry McLaurin, and we're going to get to him a little bit later, but... I'm with you. I probably don't want Peterson. I probably don't want Chris Thompson. I Even though Peterson's probably going to get 20 touches again, I probably would still rather have Mostert or Matt Breda, wouldn't you? Oh, no doubt about it. I just want absolutely nothing to do with that offense. So you, whoever is a Redskins fan and wants to pick him up and play him in their playoffs, by all means, go ahead and call me when you lose. <laughs> so I might get a similar response for you on Patrick Laird, the Dolphins running back at 20% ownership. He's got the Giants and the Bengals up next. Those are two pretty good matchups for running back, yeah. and Laird's been getting the touches, but is this another situation where, based upon the surrounding team, you're just going to fade the situation and avoid him? Just when you think Kalen Ballage was the worst running back you've ever seen, here comes Patrick Laird. I mean, <laughs> how do you feel comfortable starting this guy? Hopefully Bilal Powell comes back from this ankle injury and he's fine to play. Uh, you know what? That doesn't matter either because now Le'Veon Bell's healthy. So, no, I mean, right now you're just screwed if you if you got to start him too. If you made me choose between Laird, Peterson, and Thompson in a PPR, i just forfeit. I would forfeit <laughs> the week. It's just – these are just horrible names. Do not start Patrick Laird. Let me go look at what Laird did last week. Uh, 15 carries, 48 yards. That actually wasn't as bad. So I guess Laird. Laird is my guy. 12 points in PPR. I got to tell you, man, I, I should have studied up on Patrick Laird. He got you 12, 12 and a half points in PPR. So, all right, give me a little Patrick Laird. I'm not going to start him, but you can give him to me. Yeah, I mean, the usage is there at the very least, and he is being used in the passing game as well as the running game. So no matter what sort of script the Dolphins are in, he's probably going to get some amount of work. I think that he is... Probably the floor play of all these three. Now, if you want to talk upside, I think it might still be P. 
Peterson just because of the touchdown upside. Like, I have a feeling if Washington does get around the goal line that he's going to be the guy to pound it in there. But you can't really count on that against the Eagles and their stout run defense. But we've buried the lead at the running back position. We're, we danced around it earlier, but DeAndre Washington, 6% ownership. Mm-hmm. Jalen Richard, 5% ownership. These guys are out there in pretty much every Yahoo league. And Josh Jacobs... We know he's got a broken shoulder. It didn't get any better through practice last week, or lack of practice, I should say. I don't think we can count on him coming back in week 15. These Raiders guys have to be near the top of our queue for running back pickups, right? Yeah, I don't want much of Richard at all. I, I really will not pick him up, but Washington's the guy. So Mostert one and Washington two. That's just the way I'm looking at it. And everybody else can go eat it. So I guess since you brought up Patrick Laird, I would put him ahead of Richard and the Redskins running backs. Fair enough. Uh, are there any other running backs that you think are worth picking up here, or should we move on to wide receiver? Um, I mean, again, Bell's coming back. Maybe some people left Bilal Powell out on the waiver wire. He was fine. Oh, let me. Is Jordan Howard available in your league? Because you might just try picking him up. He's available in one of my leagues, and I think it's between him and Mostert. And I don't know when Howard's coming back. But I think both of those guys are definitely startable. Is, is Howard still owned in more than 50% of leagues? Because if he's out there, he's he's my number one ad. Because he's going to come in and you know what he does. You, you know what he does. And they've been running Sanders into the ground. But, um, you know, he, he was, before he went down, Howard got 23 and 19 carries. Uh, he's not great PPR, but he's scoring touchdowns too. I mean, He's got six touchdowns this season, and he's missed the last three weeks, really four weeks because they were on bye. So I think he's the guy. If if anybody dropped him in your league, go get him. Go go get him. In Yahoo, Howard is at 72% ownership. So he is going to be available in some cases. I, I got and left. that is an idea to, to go out and at least look for him to see if he's there. Let's move on to wide receiver. And I want to start with two guys who, when I saw the ownership percentages for them, I was just flabbergasted. It's just, it speaks to how people give up during fantasy. And I guess in the fantasy playoffs, <laughs> that makes sense. Once you're eliminated, you're not going to be actively working the wire to go pick up players like Zach Pascal or A.J. Brown. Despite the fact that Pascal is averaging nine and a half targets per game over the past two weeks while T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron have been out. A.J. Brown, I mean, what's not to like about this guy? He's the number one receiver on Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill has turned this offense around. And I just don't understand why these guys are under 50% ownership, let alone under 35. It's crazy. Yeah, here's the deal with A.J. Brown, though. In two of the last three weeks, the guy's gone over 135 yards. Think about that for a second. This He is going to be, if Tannehill continues to be half the quarterback that he is, and he's there next year, we're talking about A.J. Brown being a super stud. My issue with A.J. Brown, though, is it really is boom or bust. Like, sure. Here, I just pulled up his game log. So four for 81 against Carolina, one for 17 against Kansas City. Four for 135 against Jacksonville, three for 45 against Indianapolis. Five for 153 against Oakland. Like, how do you trust that, right? He's got a good matchup coming up against Houston. And then we talked about New Orleans, too. So we're talking about Tannehill with that. But that's a boomer bust right there. And it depends on who your other wide receivers are. But. He's got to be rostered. I don't feel that great starting him both weeks in the in the championship rounds. Not it just it scares me. The volume isn't there, and what you're doing is you're hoping that he averages 30 yards per catch. But the nice thing to, about Brown when you look at his schedule is that because they're playing Houston, because they're playing New Orleans, you know that those two teams are going to score against Tennessee. Maybe. I mean, maybe. yeah, maybe not. No, but you, those are good enough offenses to push the Titans to throw the ball at least a little bit. Now, maybe Derrick Henry just goes bananas against Houston's run defense. I could see that happening. Their run defense is a little susceptible, but I just don't understand why A.J. Brown isn't rostered in every league. Even if you're not going to start him, he needs to be owned, right? Has to be owned. What did you say was that? 30%? 25 on Yahoo, which is insane. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's just stupid because there's so many guys that are rostered that should not be rostered at this point. And uh, for those of you with that that lost Mike Evans, maybe AJ, Mike Evans was a boomer bust guy too, wasn't he? AJ Brown has got to be at the top of your list. And I, I tell you, maybe I should be looking at him with Calvin Ridley, to tell you the truth. But I think I have, I got some other guys there that I feel um, every bit, if not more, comfortable with. But let's say, let's just say you go into your, you're looking at your week 15 matchup and you're 25 point dog. 
Like you're going to get your ass kicked. Go and get yourself AJ Brown, man. Go get a lottery ticket. Maybe he pays off. Right. And that's a really good point. This is the time of year where boom or bust is fine. Because if you boom, that means that you're winning your fantasy playoff matchup. And this is the most important time to be able to go over the top of the better teams like that. I, I really like that point. Which of these other wide receivers out there do you like? I'm looking at Anthony Miller, still 20% owned. Chris Conley, 20%. Kenny Still, 16 Kiki QT, 8%. Deontay Johnson, you mentioned him earlier. He's only at 12%. There are a lot of these kind of dart throw types of receivers out there. Do any of them stand out to you? Pascal, uh, you had him at 35%. Love him. Miller, getting the volume. Love him. Deontay Johnson, don't expect this every week. And he did have a punt return for a touchdown. So really what he did was in PPR, he got you 18 points, which is really nice, really nice. And it looks like Hodges is looking at him, but I – I'm just not comfortable enough with the Steelers' offense right now to say that Deontay Johnson is going to keep this up. And then what if Juju comes back? Right. So, I mean, does Deontay, instead of eight targets, does he go down to three or four targets? I don't know. So I'm a little iffy there. Ginnon Smith, you got to pick out which one you're going to get. So that's kind of tough. Paris Campbell, he's done. Um, he got re-injured, so he's on IR, if I'm correct there. Jacoby Myers... Almost had a touchdown. No interest there. Isaiah Ford and Alan Hearns. Interesting. I'm glad you brought these guys up, right? It wouldn't be an early week team app if I didn't bring up Dolphins wide receivers. I do this every week. Well, I mean, listen, Fitzgerald's just going to chuck it. Didn't Ford have six or seven targets last week? I think you had it in your show notes. No, nine targets, six nine? catches, 92 yards. Yep, and Hearns had eight because not only did they lose Devontae Parker early in that game, Albert Wilson also suffered a concussion. So there were a lot of targets to go around for the Dolphins, and Hearns and Ford were the two primary beneficiaries. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Everybody in your league is going to laugh at you when you picked up Isaiah Ford, but <laughs> who the hell cares? Uh, the guys that I like more from the uh, from the Bucks, Justin Watson got some run, but even when um, even when Winston was looking at Godwin a lot, he still found Perriman. Perriman made a couple plays. So you're digging down deep. I mean, if you're in a 10-team league, I cannot recommend anybody more than Pascal Brown and Miller. Uh, if you're in deeper leagues than that, I, I'm actually a little more bullish on Perriman and Watson than I am Hearns and Ford. Yeah, and I think that's the big takeaway here is that go look for Pascal, go look for A.J. Brown first, and then after that, it, you probably don't need any of these lower ownership guys if you've made it this far because your team is probably good. Now, if you had a team that had both Calvin Ridley and Devonta Parker, and you're starting to scramble for answers to losing those guys, that's when you might have to dig a little bit deeper and look at you know Russell Gage as the backup to Calvin Ridley or to Rashad Perriman or Justin Watson as the backup to Mike Evans. And I, I am very intrigued by those Tampa Bay guys because you know Chris Godwin is going to command most of the attention from opposing defenses, and that is going to open things up in theory for Perriman and for Watson. It's also going to open things up for Tampa's tight ends, and I want to talk about that next. At the tight end position, O.J. Howard's at 32%, and he's burned a lot of people so far. But in recent weeks, he's come on a little bit stronger. Week 13, six targets, five catches, 61 yards. Week 14, five targets, four catches, 73 yards. Per Adam Levitan on Twitter, at Adam Levitan. Over those two weeks, Howard has played 85% of the Bucks' offensive snaps and run 63 routes on James Winston's 87 dropbacks. On the not-so-bright side, uh, Adam notes that Howard only has a 13% target share in those games, but Mike Evans is now lost for the season. Uh, on the other side of the ball there, or the other side of the formation, I should say, Cameron Brait had four targets, four catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown in Week 14. He should also see a little bit more work going forward. This is another situation where if you've made it this far, you probably have your tight end situation figured out, but I think you could probably do worse than O.J. Howard. Yeah. I, the problem there is that Breit was really involved. Sure. The good thing is, is that they're going up against Detroit and there's no Mike Evans. So Detroit is a sieve against the tight end. So I'd have no problem starting both one of the, or two of those guys or one or both of those guys, you know, Breit or uh, OJ Howard at this point. I don't think they're going to break a slate for you. And I still think that he looks that Winston looks for Breit more. And, and you can look at the numbers in this, but he looks for Breit more in the end zone than he does with OJ Howard. But both these guys have a terrific matchup this week. So if you're in, if you're looking to build a DFS lineup and maybe find a budget tight end, would you be more likely to go after Brait because of that red zone factor and the salary savings that you're going to get with him over OJ Howard? Well, 
I think Howard would probably be the way to go. You know, it, it was yesterday he got the touchdown, and he only had one target over the past two weeks with Atlanta and Jacksonville. I still think Braid is rosterable if you're dying at tight end, but I would go O.J. Howard at this point. What do you think about David Njoku? Because he's only 37% owned. He didn't do much in his first game back, but that's kind of to be expected a lot of times when guys are returning from injury. And Njoku gets to face Arizona in Week 15. You mentioned how Detroit <laughs> is a tight end uh, gold mine. Arizona is also a tight end gold mine. Do we need to consider David Njoku in Week 15? Oh, man. You know, I faded Vance McDonald last week just because Vance Good for you. Thanks. You didn't? No, I said good for you. I, yeah, I, I'm I, with you on that. I mean, Vance I, hasn't been relevant since Devlin Hodges took over. I don't think David Njoku's been relevant this year. I mean, week one, he went four for 37 and a touchdown on six targets. He got three targets last week. What? Are they? Yeah, I'm just not there, buddy. I, I love Jarvis Landry. I think they look for him in the red zone a lot more. Maybe they'll try and get the ball to Odell if he doesn't bolt and just leave the team this week. So there's better options for me than David and Joku. This to me is an it's a trap. It's another trap. <laughs> All right, Admiral Akbar. There are a lot of uh, no. I'm with you. I, I'm generally avoiding him. I, like you said, I think there are a lot of better options. Guys who are actually lower owned. Mike Gusecki is at 31. percent He only had one catch in Week 14, but the targets were still there for the most part. He had five. Yeah, Jacob Hollister, Tyler Higby. The question with Higby is when Gerald Everett is going to return. We don't know that. Uh, you could look at Jonu Smith. You mentioned Ian Thomas earlier. He had 10 targets in week four, 14. I mean, Ian Thomas might be the best of this entire group at tight end. Yeah, that's my guy. Picked him up everywhere I could. Um, but does Olsen come back? I don't know. I love the fact that the news came out that they were going to be in a tight end timeshare because that was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> There's no way you're going to have a tight end timeshare, all right? Not in Carolina with the junk they have behind Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas is an elite athlete. Ian Thomas, here's my super early, if he stays healthy, Ian Thomas is a top eight tight end in 2020. This guy is a physical freak. He is terrific. But I still prefer Hollister if he's on your wires. I mean, the the matchup this week against Carolina is mediocre, uh, but he's getting volume. He saw another six targets, and then he gets Arizona. That's a guy I trust against Arizona. Like, Hollister is going off in week 16. So that's the guy that I'd jump on. And if I needed to start him, fine. But you should have Ian Thomas rostered. There's no reason for him to be out there on a wire. If they announce that Olsen's coming back, I just don't know why they wouldn't feed Thomas the ball, though. He's the future. Greg Olsen's done, man. Stick a fork in him. Yeah, and with the coaching change, I could definitely see them pursuing that sort of line of thinking, 100%. right? It's like, we don't need to we don't need to risk Greg Olsen coming back. Let's see what we got in the young guys. Let's see what these new coaches can do with the young guys. And and I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works out. A, few, a couple other players here that might come into value based upon injuries. The Baltimore Ravens guys, Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle. The Mark Andrews injury is being reported as minor and that he's going to be able to suit up in Week 15. But this early in the week, you never know. Maybe he has a, a setback in practice, Andrews does. And at that point, if he's out, which of those two other guys would you prefer, Hayden Hurst or Nick Boyle? Neither. It's just it's too it's too spread out, man. Boyle could have a big game. Hurst, there's too many other guys in the wire this week that I trust. Okay, and did we even get to Gasicki? Gasicki should be rostered, especially now that Parker's down. Uh, Noah Fant has two 100-yard games this year. That's the most by any rookie. He could blow up at any point in time. There's too many better options for you to have to go that far down. Like, don't do it. Just don't 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 go to the Ravens. Don't go to Caden Smith. Don't go to Jonu Smith. Thomas Gasecki. Um, I would say Howard, then Fant, then Brait in that order. If you're going on the wires, and probably Higby and Jacob Hollister, like you said, maybe up towards the top there as well, right? Oh, I mean, those are the two guys that I would take. Uh, you know what? Tom Thomas by by far is my number one. Okay. Um, Hollister would be my number two and then my number three would have to be Higby so I kind of overlooked him but Everett might be back this week so that concerns me why the hell don't they use Higby more even when Everett's back this guy is great yeah it seems like they're both really good which is surprising to me that maybe they don't try to do more with two tight end sets especially with the type of running schemes that they have run in the past I I don't know what's going on with the Rams they've been a total enigma this season Yes, absolutely. Uh, but it looks like they're starting to turn a corner a little bit. They look great on 
Sunday night. So I'm starting to trust. I mean, Robert Woods, that's the one guy you can go to every single week. Robert Cooper Cup, you know, he's been a little more boomer bust lately. I'm still feeling good about Cooper Cup. Rest of that offense, I'm starting to feel good about Gurley too, man. I'm starting to feel good about Gurley. I mean, Brown ended up scoring a touchdown, but that's just because they were hurrying up trying to – you know, catch the Seahawks off guard, and they didn't want to substitute. So Gurley's getting his shots, man. Gurley's getting his shots. He's a he is a running back one now. Yep, I'm curious to see if they can squeak their way into the playoffs. How he looks there because it seems like they've been managing his workload this entire time, and I, it's made him look worse when you're watching game to game, Todd Gurley. But will they unleash him, quote unquote, in the playoffs, or maybe in Week 17 in a push to make the playoffs? I'm fascinated to see how that works out because I, I want to know, can I trust Todd Gurley not just this year, but also next season when we're drafting again? And this is a good time if you're listening to this and maybe you didn't make the playoffs in all that many leagues or any of your leagues and f- for some strange reason you're still listening to fantasy football podcasts. Use this time <laughs> to start scouting for next season. Start to look at these guys and figure out, does this player still have juice? Who are the up-and-coming players like Ian Thomas? And, and that's what you should be doing with this time if you're not invested from uh, a season-long perspective is go play some dfs take a look at what these teams have to offer and try to play that forward and work towards next year i'll tell you what i'm freaking out about is Gurley versus san francisco in week 16 i think you got to go with him because you hope he falls into the end zone but that's going to be a big decision dude i think you'll be talking about that um coming up next week what to do with Gurley? yeah it'll be that same joe mixon conversation all over again with Gurley. yeah instead. you can't hit him right i mean you could if you have better options but I mean, good luck with that. That's going to be like, would you rather start Ronald Jones against Houston or Todd Gurley against San Francisco? I don't know. That's good. That's going to, if I can get to the finals here, you know, in a few of these leagues, I was overweight on Gurley this year and um, he's paid off three of the last four weeks, but, and, and I think he'll have a nice game next week. Can he do it in week 16? We're going to find out. Let's get into quarterbacks next, and if you're in a two-quarterback format, there aren't a whole lot of guys to pick up. And again, if you've made it this far, you probably don't need a quarterback off the waiver wire, but if you were so desperate that you need to pick somebody up, I think Case Keenum is the only guy you can really look at, and I don't think you want to use Case Keenum against Philadelphia all that much. My question for you, Holden, is how much would you boost Terry McLaurin's fantasy value if Washington goes back to Case Keenum Keenum at quarterback? Yeah, I'd bump him up. No doubt about it. I, I don't know where I'm putting him. Is he just a wide receiver three? Yeah. Um, but if Case Keenum's under center, I can't believe I'm saying this. Just That offense just works a little better, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. I'd say Case Keenum. I'd say McLaurin. I feel at least comfortable starting him if I have three wide receivers to start. I did not feel comfortable starting him at any point in time <laughs> once Dwayne Haskins was in. It did not feel good. Yeah, I played around with it in a couple of weeks where I just started him thinking, oh, maybe, you know, now that Haskins, is, Haskins has been in there for three weeks, maybe now he'll start to put it together. Nope, never put it together. Terry McLaurin only really had any value when he would luck into a touchdown. And if Case Keenum gets back, I think I'll be a lot more confident putting McLaurin back into my lineups. I have him in Scott Fishbowl, so fingers crossed there. Let's talk about one quarterback streaming considerations. And I think up at the top, the first guys you go have to go look for are Phillip Rivers, versus Minnesota. He's at 57% ownership. And Rivers has been very up and down this year, but Minnesota's secondary is beatable. And the second guy you have to look at is Ryan Tannehill. Uh, against Houston, 48% owned. If if Rivers and Tannehill are available, I think those are your top streaming considerations. Which of the two do you like more, Holden? I would not want to start Phillip Rivers. I'm not going to get sucked into what he did uh, <laughs> over the weekend. So forget about it. Phillip Rivers, go pick him up. I hope I'm playing him in my league. Uh, Tannehill's got to be rostered. I mean, Tannehill's a quarterback one. So that's the other thing. Are you off of Fitzpatrick now that um, that Parker's gone? I don't think it helps him. Let's, I mean, let's put it that way. Uh, I'm generally off of him for that reason and just because he's always been a really fluky up-and-down type of player. Like, I don't necessarily, even with Parker in, I don't know if I'd be able to trust him week to week because you never know when he's going to lay one of those duds as he's done in the past. Yep, I'm with you, buddy. I, I I hear what you're saying here, and you know he was looking very enticing, and I started Darnold over him in in one of my leagues last week, and it worked out for a couple points. But you know I got Fitzpatrick on a you and I I think we went back on Twitter. I got Fitzpatrick on a few of these teams now, and I don't think I want Minshew over him. 
I mean, I, I would, I don't think I'd watch football that week if I started Gardner Minshew, but that schedule is really nice. I guess you could look at Minshew with Oakland and Atlanta on the road, but he has not done much since he came in. So, yeah, I mean, I look at Minshew and I saw how Tannehill tore up that Raiders defense. So why not Minshew, right? I mean, maybe Oakland's home field advantage matters more against a rookie like Minshew, but I think if you have him, especially if you're like two QB, you can definitely start Minshew this week. You can probably do better in a one quarterback format, though. I agree with you there. Uh, do any of these other guys appeal to you? Jacoby Brissett at New Orleans, Derek Carr against the Jags, Kyle Carr. Allen against Oh Carr. Carr. Okay, dig I in there. I think the Jaguars just tanked, man. They got to get rid of Marone. That whole that whole culture, everything about the Jaguars. What a horrible, horrible team. They're getting blown out every single week. I mean, Oakland has like six losses. How many losses of 18 points or more does Oakland have? Because they got a ton. But Jacksonville now is just, what a joke. I'd feel good with Ryan Fitzpatrick against them at this point. They stink. Uh, They're going nowhere. I'm not going to say that the team gives up because players are still playing for stuff. But it just seems like, if anything, if these players are playing, they're just doing it for themselves. That's bad. So I think that's a team to target here at every position. Yeah, fair enough. Now, the last quarterback I want to ask you about here is Mitchell Trubisky. Where are you at on him? Because he's come around, albeit in some softish types of matchups in recent weeks, but he's going on the road at Green Bay in week 15. He's only 19% owned, so he's going to be out there in a lot of leagues. People might look at the game log there and say, oh, well, Trubisky's back. I can start using him again. Are you willing to do that against Green Bay? If Matt Nagy promises me he'll have 10 carries or 10 rushes, then yes, I'm fine with him. But he, I can't, you can't guarantee that he's going to carry the ball 10 times again for 63 yards and a touchdown. You kidding me? So, no. I think it'll be interesting be- between him and Fitzpatrick, though, and him and Minshew. We're all, we're kind of just throwing these guys all in the same area, right? They're all just guys you don't want to have to start. But if you've been streaming, that's where we're stuck if you didn't pick guys up a few weeks ago. Uh, Brissett. You know, Brissett's interesting. Um, I, I, Campbell going down really concerns me, though. So now T.Y.'s probably not going to play. If he does play, he's going to be banged up. I'm concerned about Brissett, uh, to be completely honest with you. But he has been pretty good. I mean, he had some, a couple of weeks of rushing touchdowns, and he had a few weeks hitting 300 yards. So he can do worse than him. And he came up, and what did what he got you, like 22 points against Tampa Bay. So... Uh, that tells you a lot about Tampa Bay, but also Jacoby Brissett is fine. He's fine. And nobody believes in Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Is he out there on the wire everywhere? I think he's owned in too many leagues at this point. Yeah, too many. Um, but he's got a nice matchup against Atlanta. So there's another guy you might want to consider. It's just a bunch of guys. That's where we are. We're, we're, we're in the part of the season where we got guys. I don't like that. Yeah, so stay tuned to uh, John Paulson's rankings at 444.com. He'll really help you sort out which of these guys, if you're in that kind of morass of middle-tier QBs, you can prefer you know, in Week 15 and then again in Week 16. Let's get into some defensive streamers, Holden. And, and the team at the top of my list is the Seattle Seahawks. They're owned in 45% of leagues, so they're not going to be available everywhere, but they're going at Carolina against Kyle Allen. The turnover bugaboo has definitely gotten to Allen in recent weeks, and I'm expecting that to continue against the Seahawks. How about you? Yeah, what I look at with defenses, though, I just want to go, how many sacks are they giving up? You know, how much pressure are they giving up? So Carolina in the last three is averaging 5.3 sacks allowed per game. Nice. That's tied with Carolina. Arizona's right there, too. Atlanta, Carolina, Arizona, um, now Detroit. I think those are the teams you just got to target. Just go after them. Go after them. Don't worry about the defense that's playing them. They're going to get to the quarterback, and if they turn the ball over and they get a couple of interceptions or a fumble recovery, you've got a floor there when you've got five sacks. You know, you're at least going to score four or five points if they get four or five sacks. Everything else is is uh, icing on the cake. So yeah, I think Atlanta, Carolina, Arizona, Detroit. Those are the four teams I'm targeting. Just do it. But luckily for me, I picked up the Ravens and the Steelers way back one, and I hate rostering two defenses, but it's worked out for me in most leagues. This is the time of year when it's okay to roster two or maybe even three defenses, yeah. depending upon how you want to line up those matchups. I, I really like that strategy in the it's playoffs. It's okay to block, too, by the way. Yes. You know, it's okay. Like, if you already have two defenses and you are going to have a roster spot where you know that you're just going to start these guys, go ahead and block, dude. Block any position. 
Like if Tana, if you don't, you got Lamar Jackson, right? And you're seeing that the guy you're playing is streaming, go get Tannehill. Force him to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. Force him to play Jacoby Brissett. Go for it. This is the time. If you want the money, if you want the glory, do a little work, look at what your opponent has and block them. Do it. My buddy, Jeff, who I know listens to this podcast, the guy I'm playing against in that home league I mentioned earlier, he did exactly that to me with streaming defenses. I was forced into starting Carolina against Atlanta this week. And I thought, oh, it's okay. You know, that Atlanta offensive line isn't the greatest. But of course, the Falcons come out and they shred the Panthers. And I'm looking at negative four in my matchup this week. And I'm probably going to lose because of it. And that was because Jeff had the foresight to say, hey, look, this guy is trying to cheat a little bit, streaming defenses week to week. I'm going to pick up four of them. I'm going to have five defenses on my bench and I'm going to block him from being able to get a solid contribution at that roster spot. And it hurt me. It really did. He did a really good job kind of sniffing that out. A couple other teams I want to throw out here in the 30% ownership range. Tennessee is going to be home against the Texans. I don't really want any part of that, even though the Titans defense is competent. I'd much rather have the Kansas City Chiefs at home against Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos at 31%. Are you in on the Chiefs with me there? Oh, man, Drew Locke has looked so good. (laughs) I know, I know. In Arrowhead, though? So everybody here, Drew Locke, they found, you know, two weeks ago, John Elway, worst guy ever. Now John Elway, brilliant. You got Drew Locke. Yeah, Kansas City's at home, though. So I'm fine with them facing a rookie. I am. I am. All right, now let's dig down to some cheaper teams, some ones that are more likely going to be be available. Lions, Lions, Lions. (laughs) They're horrible. I don't care. Jameis Winston already has three interceptions and four sacks. Every game. Every game. That's your floor. You really got to be desperate to start the Lions, but that's it's not the worst play, man. Tampa yep. Bay, uh, Jameis is just a dis- he's a disaster, complete disaster. People call me out and say, "Why would you start the Colts, man? Tampa Bay's gonna go out. Why am I starting the Colts? Because I got a floor of six or seven points. You know, he's throwing, he's gonna turn the ball over minimum two times, whether it's fumbled. He's gonna get sacked four times. So, you know, I'm fine with that. Just go after, go after bad teams." Don't don't overthink it. Go after bad teams, even if the defenses aren't that good. Yeah, those are my two favorite. Are actually both in the same matchup. There, it's the Lions and the Buccaneers. We know yeah. that Winston's going to turn the ball over, but we also know that Winston is going to push the ball down the field. The Bucks are going to generate some points on their own. That's going to force Detroit to throw the ball. They don't really have running backs to run the ball with anyway, so they might as well throw and. All those pass attempts mean more chances for sacks, more chances for interceptions from the Buccaneers defense. I really like using one or the other of the teams in that matchup. I think those are the two best low ownership options you have this week. A few other ones you could consider. Oakland against the Jaguars. Holden, you mentioned how Jacksonville just hasn't really looked very good. Uh, But I don't really like the Raiders defense. Uh, The Giants at home against Miami. It's never necessarily a terrible idea to stream against the Dolphins especially now that they've lost so many weapons. I think you could maybe consider Washington against Philadelphia because Washington's defense just has been competent recently, but I think you can do better. Uh, Miami, maybe against Eli, maybe against Daniel Jones, likely Eli. We know that Eli Manning is also a turnover machine, so as bad as the Dolphins are, maybe that's a consideration you can make. I don't think you have to go this deep, though. I think if you can't get one of those uh, top teams that are available like Kansas City or Seattle, then you can look at Detroit and Tampa Bay. If, if you're not going to be able to get one of those teams, then good luck to you in the playoffs. No, honestly, I think that Tampa Bay is the better play, though, because Blau had a couple turnovers last week. He's not a good quarterback. He doesn't run. I mean, I could see if he ran, I'd be fine, but they're giving up sacks, you know, over four sacks a game. So I might actually lean a little bit toward Tampa Bay in that, uh, in that instance. Plus, I mean, you can't run on Tampa Bay. So good luck, David Blau, because you're going to be throwing a ton. Now, this is normally the part of the show where we get into droppable players. But I think at this point in the season, who's droppable is completely league and team context dependent. Like, you need to look ahead to the next two weeks. Try to set your playoff lineups in advance for the most part. And if a player isn't close to cracking your starting lineup in either week, you can consider cutting that player. Now, you might still want to hold on to some of those players if they have big upside as handcuffs like you know, say Alexander Madison, Jamal Williams, maybe even like Dallas Goddard thinking that Zach Ertz might get hurt. 
And you can also consider if someone you drop would be picked up and started against you, right? We talked about blocking. This is kind of the opposite of that. You don't want to drop somebody who's going to help your opponent. Although I don't think that's going to be too common because your opponents at this point should have pretty darn good rosters. But all in all, you shouldn't play scared. As long as players don't represent an upgrade for your opponents to pick up, dropping a player that you won't use is completely okay, even if that player is valuable in a vacuum. Because the playoffs aren't a vacuum. We have a lot of context with which to make these decisions, and that context is confined to the next two weeks. If you're not going to use a player in week 15 or week 16, you can cut them. It's as simple as that, right? Yeah, just cut him. Get rid of him. I don't care how good you thought he was. Um, anybody coming back in week 16, what was it, Karrion Johnson has a chance to come back? Don't bother. Don't bother doing it. Cut bait. You just have to look at whoever you're playing. I don't know who I'm playing next week, okay? I'm not locked in in any of these leagues. I don't know who I'm playing yet, but I'll tell you this much. Uh, tonight, when Monday Night Football's over, I will look and see who I'm playing. I will check out the other team's roster that I'm playing I will uh, make my list of guys that are available in my league and on a different uh, tier, then I will look at the guys that he or she needs and then I will try to block them. Yes. Love it. Let's look ahead a little bit more to the playoffs here to wrap things up. And Colton, I'm, we can be completely selfish here and talk about our own teams at this point. We're deep enough into the show to do that, I think. What are, <laughs> what are your most important decisions to make or the biggest questions you have to answer as you prepare for these final two weeks of fantasy football? Will Gallup be a substantial replacement for uh, Ridley? You know, is he going to give me the seven points or is he going to give me the, the, you know, the 13, 14 points? So that's a big one. Uh, second of all, is Ian Thomas going to be out there or is Greg Olson coming back? If Ian Thomas is out there, great. Uh, Jacob Hollister is starting in just about every one of my leagues in week 16. So I'm going to be boomer bust with him. Uh, the other question, what am I doing with Gurley in week 16 if I get to that point? And then, uh, Josh Jacobs, like, how do I overcome that? I got Ronald Jones on one of my rosters. Like, am I going to go with Ronald Jones if Josh Jacobs isn't back and I can't get Washington? Ooh, that's going to be a rough one, man. That'll be a rough one to look at. And then uh, on my other team, let's see here. Oh, so I will have the decision to make between Jamison Crowder and Golden Tate in a half-point PPR. I will also and, – and by the way, in week 16, again, if I'm there, I'm starting Hollister over Darren Waller. Okay. Just, I'm done. I'm sick of Moreau. See, I don't, you don't understand how much I love Hollister. He's a legit, uh, tight end one from here on out. And especially with that matchup in week 16. And I get it. Waller's getting the volume, but he doesn't score touchdowns anymore. Moreau is the guy standing. Now, if Moreau is out, because I think he left that game this weekend, if Moreau is out, then I will reconsider. But I don't think there's anyone I'm starting over Jacob Hollister in, in week 16. So those are just some of my my uh, decisions I'll have to make. The Golden Tate one will be next week. Do I go with Crowder or do I go with Golden Tate against Miami? I don't know. We haven't seen much of Gold. We haven't seen Golden Tate with Eli yet, have we? No, he had a four game suspension. Then he then he sat. Then he's got Washington week fifteen. So those are that'll be a really big decision in, in one of my leagues. I think this Monday Night Football game is going to be really helpful in trying to figure that out, right? Because if Golden Tate struggles with Eli at quarterback, I think you can pretty easily go with Crowder. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there might just be a better option for you off the wire. It's hard to say. I don't know how deep the league is, but that's a, a question that the answer might be, you know, see none of the above, right? I th Yeah, I think I'm going to have to cut bait with Crowder too, because he's at Baltimore and he's taking on Pittsburgh. And I mean, he's gotten some volume, but he just hadn't put it together. And Robbie Anderson's passed him there. So... You know, the opt is a Christian Kirk. There, there's just way too much. This waiver wire week, it was quiet for weeks, wasn't it? And then like mm -hmm. last week it blew up and now it's just gone to another level. So um, and we had the injury. So that's the that's the kicker there. Hope you left some fab in your account. <laughs> you're going to be starting some scrubs. The worst decisions I'm going to have to make or the toughest ones seem to be at the onesie positions. Uh, in that home league I talked about earlier where I started Murray over Ryan Tannehill, I have the same choice again in theory if I make it to week 15. Kyler Murray against the Browns or Ryan Tannehill against Houston. Now the Browns are a much better matchup than the Steelers were for Murray this past week. And I, I feel like I can still lean into that process I used to bench Tannehill before, but I worry I'll just get burned again the same way, like I did with Tyler Lockett. I just I, I'm seeing I'm seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold. 
Uh, and then I have to decide between Tannehill and Garoppolo in a different league. Uh, Garoppolo versus Atlanta, Tannehill against Houston. I'm probably going to go with Garoppolo there just because I think there are going to be more pass attempts for him uh, going up against the Falcons. Uh, let me ask you a question real quick just before you move on because I'm going to forget. What are you doing with Juju Smith-Schuster? <sighs> I dropped him in a league, by the way. I think that's fine. Yeah, I think he's droppable. I, I don't think there's any reason for them to rush him back before the playoffs. Even because if he plays, even if he plays though, week fifteen, week sixteen, what are you doing with Juju? <sighs> I mean, the one place I own him, I have good enough wide receivers to not have to use him, so I probably just continue to bench him. I I just don't know if I trust Duck Hodges yet. I mean, he's been serviceable, but the volume for him hasn't been there either. Like the pass attempts just aren't there. And if that's the case, then you don't. If Juju comes back, is he just going to see number one coverage, and it's still going to be you know the Deontay Johnson show and the James Washington show for Pittsburgh? And the, the way that their defense is playing, they don't have to pass much anyway. I I wouldn't use him if unless I absolutely had to. I don't think. Yeah, I'd put Brown way over him. I'd put uh, Mike Williams way over him. I'd take Cole Beasley in half point, full point PPRs because Cole Beasley's going bananas. Yeah, isn't Cole Beasley available in a lot of leagues? Yeah, he's probably available in like 50%, 40%, something like that. Yeah, he scored in three straight and six of eight. He's scoring touchdowns, man, and now he's getting volume on top of it. There, There's some guys, there's got to be guys on your wire that are still going to be out there that you can plug in. I'm not worried about wide receiver picking guys up on the wire. What I am worried about is finding someone to step in for um, for Josh Jacobs more than anything else. One other big lingering question for me is Odell Beckham Jr. Like, what are we supposed to do with this guy now that these rumors are coming out that he's actively tried to get out of Cleveland? He's telling other teams that he wants to go. Come get me is what he reportedly said. And we know that he's hurt as well. There's a lot of stuff kind of stacking up against him narrative-wise in these final two weeks. And on that team where I have Juju, I also have Odell Beckham Jr., I don't know if either of them is someone I'm excited to start in these final couple weeks. What's your approach on Beckham going to be down the stretch? If you can't do it against Cincinnati, you're done. Okay, and I've been more concerned about the injury. I think the injury, and he said this before the season started, he wasn't going to be 100% all season. Okay, so week two, he came out, blew up the Jets. Um, I want nothing to do with Odell. I'm not, I don't have any shares of him. I suppose you could take a flyer on him against Arizona. But what is he at this point? Is he a wide receiver four? Is he? Yeah, I mean, you tell me. Like, I guess he's a wide receiver three. Yeah, wide receiver three, four is pretty safe. I think he's still getting enough targets to return that type of value. But we drafted him as a guy who could be a potential wide receiver one, like wide receiver one overall any given week. And he has not been anywhere close to that, unfortunately. Uh, Let's close it out with this, Holden. Give me a bold prediction for these final two weeks. You want a hot take. Is that what you're asking me for? Yeah, spice it up a little. You want a hot take. Hot. <sighs> all right. Uh, 90% of all league winners will roster Lamar Jackson or Christian McCaffrey. One of those two guys. 90% will roster one of those two guys. That's my bold prediction. If you're going up against them, you're screwed. All right, I'm going way bolder than you. And That's very bold. 90%? <laughs> all right, what's your... Well, just you wait for my take is? here, all right? Bold is stupid. That's what, here's my yeah. stupid take, that 90%. What is it? Are you ready for my stupid take? No, I, I'll never be ready. I think Sony Michelle stinks, and I really want to see what Damian Harris can do at least once in the regular season. So my bold prediction is that Damian Harris is going to finish as a top 15 running back in one of week 15, week 16, or both. Just Why? what else do the Patriots have to lose at this point besides giving this kid some run? Now, I know that he's dealt with some injuries, but get Damian Harris on the field. Show us what he can do. Please, Bill Belichick. What, one are time. they out of the race or something? They could still have home field, can't they? Or if they can't, yeah, they'll still have home games. Could it be worse than Sonny Michelle? trust a rookie, obviously. You know, I'm going to hmm. go with Bill Belichick and... His Fine. discretion over Greg Smith. As much as I like you, and I think you're a wonderful person, I really don't know you that well, but I'll just say that anyways. Come on, man. It was a dumb take. What are you doing? We, we, we admitted that going in. It was a dumb doing? take. Well, you're a good person too, Holden. Thank oh, you very much God. for coming on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time. Why don't you let folks know uh, where they can find your work and find you on social media, all that good stuff. Just Twitter me, at Holden Radio. That's wonderful. Fantasy First Pod. 
comes out uh, most weekday mornings. So you'll have that. I posted at midnight Eastern. It's all the news that you're going to need uh, for the next day. And then DFS MVP with me and TJ Hernandez as uh, you know, the season's winding down the regular season. We're going through week 20, man, to the conference championship. So there's a lot of DFS to be told. Check out the podcasts. When you check them out, go ahead and give them that five-star rating. Give them a review. Let them know how great they're doing because they, they are great shows. No doubt about it. Make sure to rate and review this podcast if you want to be entered into a contest to win a free 4 for 4 t-shirt. Otherwise, I'll be back again next week. John and Anthony will be back later this week with their team app for week 15. And good luck in the fantasy playoffs. We'll catch you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. Let's go!